Mr. Pop. <laughs> Will you get on the on the juice this afternoon, Brian? I'm on the juice now, Ken. <laughs> this is Rock and Roll, your weekly shot of sport and music with Kevin Hillier, Brian Mannix, and Mark Fine. G'day and welcome to, believe it or not, episode number 168 of the Rock and Roll Podcast. My name's Kevin Hillier, with me as always, Brian Mannix and Mark Fine. We've been doing this program 168 episodes. Not your Johnny come lately, you know, uh, new kid on the uh, on the block here. We, uh, we've been around, we're the old established mainstays of the, uh, the music and sport podcast mix. Hello, Finey. Hello, Kevin, how are you? I'm well, thank you. It's Cup Day in Melbourne, the sun's shining, uh, we've got the shackles off, we've got a n- near 90% vaccination rate, so actually the world's starting to look uh, somewhat normal to me again. Yeah, I think we might be slowly but surely we've sort of um, crept back into the daylight and I think we're here to stay, so yeah. yep. Bring on, so. bring on the rest of my life. And let's just prove that it is, so the world is back on its normal axis. Uh, uh, today with show 168, uh, we're going to the year 1969 and, of course, with us is the one and only, our, our rock star in residence, Brian Mannix. I'm furious. <laughs> yes, the I'm world is absolutely back. absolutely livid. What's the matter with you? Oh, well, you know, everybody else is back to normal. I'm still not. I've still got another month before I can work. So, you know, nothing's really changed that much for me. I can go to the pub a bit, but that's about it. Now, so, I just I just saw something where it says, um, uh, and I think it might be in New South Wales, but they're saying stadiums will be back to full full throttle as of the 8th of November. Now, you, you've mentioned this before. I just want you to explain it. Uh, I mentioned we're, we're back to normal, but venues and stuff uh, and, and your industry in terms of going out and doing live gigs is still, what, four, five, six weeks away from actually being normal? Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, well, to be normal is, is um, no, it's a long way off from being normal, but we slowly start to work. I think my first bit of work is on the 20th of November, and then I've got uh, something on the, yeah, I've got one, I've got two gigs in November. So, okay. so you know, it's not really back to normal, um, and, you know, I've still got lots of cancelled and, Stuff. Some, yeah, but anyway, so it is what it is. There's a big I'll, difference, and that, and that, I, I think that that's something that a lot of people lose in all this. There's a big difference between uh, reopening a, a Safeway supermarket and uh, and putting a band back on the road again. The, the the logistics of both is very different. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, yeah, it's you know, it's good. It's you know, it's getting there, but um, it's still not really there for me yet. Yep. But it will be, I suppose. Hey, Brian, I do, so. do do you reckon that? Um, like you, you, and I, I can't remember who it was on the Life of Brian podcast we talked to about this. Those kind of uh, cover bands that have been around pubs for years and years and years, and you know, just sort of eke out a, of not a, not a living as such, but certainly make some reasonable money, uh, sort of hobby mm-hmm. farm type money. Will they disappear now because you know the the the, the scene, yeah. if you want to call it that, has changed? No, I don't think so. I think there's always a place for a cover band and. No, they'll, they'll be all right. It'll take them a little while to come back, but um, it, they'll, they'll get back there. Um, yeah, I don't think we, you know, people, they like cover bands. They're not going to start suddenly not like cover bands. Yeah, yeah. So they'll be all right. They'll be okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Well, I reckon, you know what? Yeah. I reckon 
bands are going to come back with a vengeance. You know, when we were yeah. given sort of a, a, a little lifeline and allowed to go to the park and have picnics. Now, who was having picnics in the park? But, you know, we just, everybody was at the park who could get there and, you know, really enjoyed ourselves. I, I, I don't think that we are going to forego some of these simpler, well, I call them simpler pleasures, but, you know, music, getting together, outdoors, having fun, dancing. I think that's going to be right up the top of the list. And I think bands are going to be, bands, bands and live music are going to be well and truly at the forefront. And you know what I hope? I hope the lockdown did one thing. And I think it, for some people it could have, it could have broken the, the, um, hold that pokies have on so many people. Yeah. Because they had to be out them. Let's hope that they don't rush back to them, and and that will be another great thing for live venues, maybe. Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah, that yeah, is a good poker, call. Yeah, poker machines are dreadful things. Um, dreadful, I, but you know that addiction has been broken compulsorily. So hopefully, people take advantage of that that were really in the grip. Yeah, because I know I've got a friend that's stuck in mine completely, and. You know, he can, you know, he bet, you know, lose 150 bucks in 20 minutes. Yep. And and then go and do it again the next day. And you just can't sustain those kind of losses. But you're right. So, the, yeah. the, the only thing I'd say about that is that, uh, and it, this is this is sort of mother-in-law research, it's not something I've read in a, a study anywhere, but I do believe that there are many of the venues when they did reopen during, you know, when they were, that fits and starts kind of reopening that they were doing, that their figures were uh, actually up on what they would normally have uh, when people came back into the venue. So I'm just hoping they haven't stashed the money in the corner and they'd go and, you know, have a, have a bigger whack at it now that they're yeah. back. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pity. But, you know, surely for people that were absolutely being destroyed by them, hopefully the break is the break they needed. But, yeah. again, maybe the grip is too, you know, too great. It's like... It's, it's the heroin of gambling, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. It is. That's a really good way of putting it. It is. I'm. I'm not a fan of them. I mean, I. I, I have a, a more relaxed attitude to them in terms of. Uh, I think you choose to play them, but I know there are people who who do get addicted to them, and you have to help them out. Uh, they should yeah. get a. They should get a PlayStation and go and do some really good games. Well, that's the other thing too. So you can do money. it on. You can do it online now, and a lot of people have gone to online gambling because there's so much of that now. Yeah, really. You can do your nuts on that too. So basically, you've got a poker machine that you on your PC. So you just you're playing that. So oh, the amount of right, the amount of people who get sucked into that is is quite uh, quite unbelievable too. Hey, how'd you guys go to the Melbourne Cup yesterday? I got the trifecta. I freaking won a stack. Um, <laughs> Brian, yeah, uh, the cup hasn't been run yet as we're recording this. Oh, come on, Kev. You know we we do this live, and um, <laughs> you know. Actually, yes, what were those numbers again, Brian? Yeah, Brian. I guess, I guess before we go through those winning numbers, which I had, yeah, yeah. how are you two's picks? We did the picks last week, and you reckon that finally reckon that Gun Sinj was going to win, yeah. and you reckon that Big Falou was going to yeah. win. Well, um, you, know, you know, good horse, Big Falou. And the winning numbers, of course, were um, four, two, and eight. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's the trifecta. There you go. If that happens to be the winning numbers, Manix, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> if they happen to be the winning numbers. What is it? 
<laughs> what are the chances? I know two's incentivized, so that's a good chance. Oh, yeah, okay. So I've, I've actually done the form this time. So okay. we do just, yeah, I've, I've spent quite a bit of time doing the form. So right. does Incentivive win this race by uh, the by the hundred yards that people are currently talking? And we're recording this in the, on the morning of the cup, so um, we're four right. or five hours so away from the ha- actual cup. It's all happened by the time you hear it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, but we don't um, we don't know that yet. When you're listening to this, we don't know what happened. We're not that clever. No. So who, who have you got in your? Who, who's your three fighting? Well, I've, I've thought about it long and hard. Uh-huh. And I've left incentivized out. Yeah. What? Yep. Out of my top four. Wow. Now this is a very good horse, but he he fights hard for his wins. You know, he started off in the Maccabi Diva over a mile, and he had to fight to win that. And his next race, I can't remember over the two thousand, was it Norman Robinson or one of those? Anyhow, and he did win the Caulfield Cup. More easily. Yep. But he's not well drawn, and unlike the Caulfield Cup, it's not just a matter of rolling out, rolling across, and being in the top two or three. There's quite a few on pace runners, and some of them are these hardened overseas horses that can run the distance. Yep. Um, including last year's winner, Spanish Moon, yeah. Uh, Twilight Payment from yep. last year. Um, and Spanish Mission. Mission, um, sorry. And, and these horses are tough horses. Now, uh, uh, Incentivize is a mighty horse. But, However. But, <laughs> you know, when, it, when it's your grand final, it, it would be an amazing effort to have won all the lead-up races. In fact, won nine in a row virtually. Um, and then go and win this race. It, Pretty unprecedented. Got a fair weight for its first crack at a Melbourne Cup, and I think it's got a target on its back because it races up near the lead. It's going to be, they're going, you know, they, they it likes taking horses on. Yep, it's a racer. Yep. I, yeah, it likes really taking on a leader. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it gets taken on a bit as well. Okay. But that's just a, a theory of mine, and I, I, I think if it look, there's a chance, a really good chance that it just wins and wins well, but there is a possibility that it just, um, it, it doesn't survive the test, and that means it's unplaced for mine. So, of the two options, I'm going unplaced. Okay. So, what are what are you really, are you willing to reveal your four to us? You, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. What do you so what do you got? Failed last start, but it was on a softer track. Soft track. It's got no soft track form, and up, up till then, it was everything was falling in place. So put Delphi on top. Oh yep, yeah, beautifully drawn. Last year's winner, I've got second. Twilight Payment because it's a real stayer. Um, down in the weight, number twenty-two, Floating Artist for third. Yeah, good race. Mooney Valley Cup, and it's a, a lightweight, and I like Mar and Eustace, and Spanish Mission. And you know, I'm never 100% sure about the highly rated overseas horses. Yeah. Some are great, some aren't. But this seems to have a lot of staying metal about it, and I, think, I don't think there's a lot of horses that's 
stay in this race, and I think it'll be a good staying test. So, seven, one, twenty-two, and three for me. Okay, seven, one, twenty-two, well, and three. Is um is still is still the one that um Ollie's riding? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. That doesn't hurt, does it? So that no. was that was uh, that was the one that was one of the two that was in doubt up until uh, well, I guess this morning uh, or last night when um, Future, whatever it was that uh, Dean Yendel was riding, got Future Shock. I think it is got uh, got scratched. I liked um, as a ruffy. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's too late now, anyway. It's all happened. But Johnny gets angry or something. Was it? Oh, Dennis Pagan talks. Yeah, I like that a lot. I might back that because. Jolly uh, bass player, he gets angry. Yeah. I thought, yeah, there's an omen there, so <laughs> that'll be good. There you go. On, for, on form, it should run last by about 10 weeks. That's right. One, isn't oh, that the one that Glenn Boss said it's a, an affrontery to the to the race that it's actually in there? Well, it won the derby. So on one hand, it did win the derby, but its form this time in has been appalling. It just can't keep, it can't keep up. Yeah. You know, it's just, running, it's just going terribly, but... It's in the race. It won, it won, it won the you know, Victorian Derby, so VRC Derby. That's a proper race. Yeah, absolutely. No, no Dennis Pagan's the, uh, the uh, I guess, owner-trainer of that one because he, uh, yep. he's got yeah, one of those licences where he has to own the horse thing. I've, I've had to back it because my mother-in-law wanted to back it and so I thought, you know how you do that thing where when someone picks a horse out of their clacker, and you go, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, ten dollars each way on Johnny getting angry. Yeah, no worries, okay. And you walk away and think, I'm not going to bother putting that on. I'll just keep the twenty bucks in my pocket and I'll just I'll do it. <laughs> and then yeah. I thought, you know what? If it wins and I'm up for two grand, uh, where am I going to find the two grand from? So I've actually put the ten dollars each way on it, just in case it gets up, so as I don't have to go and beg in the streets and get roll you out as a um, as, as a busker for me, Brian, to make the money up. So. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I know. I know there were. I, I know a couple of people who actually got caught with Prince of Penzance when Michelle Payne won a few years back. Uh, you know the the dutiful kind of. Oh, can you put five dollars each way on Prince of Penzance for me? Yeah, yeah, good. And didn't do it, <laughs> and then had to find the kind of eight hundred bucks very quickly to to pay the people back who you were supposed to be putting the bets on for. Um, so it's Cup Day. Uh, will you get Will you get on the on the juice this afternoon, Brian? Cup Day, or will you? I'm on the- I'm on the juice now, Ken. <laughs> I didn't. I couldn't be bothered getting a cup of tea when I got up. I said, "Ask nah, up, I'll have a beer." Have a beer. I'm having a beer. Beautiful. Yeah. What did you see? What happened over in Scotland? In Scotland, the, in the French Prime Minister called Scomo a liar. Oh, this is the sledging match that's the going on between these two. Yeah. Yeah, and then Scomo's come back calling the dirty French bastard trick. So it's all freaking happening over there. Sorry, I actually had a mouthful of tea when you said that. What? What? What did he actually? Scomo, they, they said to Scomo, look, uh, the French president Macron, Macron, or whatever his name is, just called you a liar. How do you react to that? And he said, well, he's just a dirty French prick, <laughs> full of shit. And now we wait to see what Macron's going to say back. But right. it, it looks like it could be, you know. I'm trying out in the schoolyard. That's the way it's going. There you go. Yeah. Oh, it's all right. Scomo can can uh, get to, he can pick up Jordan Degoe in the draft and uh, and bring him over to Scotland and use him in. <laughs> hey, fine. Yeah, he's going well, isn't he? Oh, Finey, what do you make of that? Goodness gracious me! Some of these footballers sometimes. Is that finish Benito for him? Um, I tell you what. It's a it, it's 
a very interesting decision that needs to be made sort of right here, right now, doesn't it? For Collingwood? I mean, McRae, yeah, yeah you know, McRae's got a, a, um, a call. One of his better players, a, a player who would have a very, very big contract, I would assume. Um, gee, do you, what do you do with him? Do you do you get rid of him? Didn't, didn't they just re-sign him for two years? Yeah, I'm not. I, I must admit, I, yeah, don't, I, I don't follow contracts. Look, I think, I think, yeah, he's committed to the club and made all the sort of um, made all the public messaging that you know he. Absolutely matured and, and taking extremely seriously his next phase of his football career. Well, you, well, you can tell that by the way he grabs girls on the groin. <laughs> Clearly, health <laughs> yeah, maturity. Yeah, t- taking your tattoos with you to New York. And yeah. Just, oh, just in case you wake <laughs> up in the middle of the night and you need something tattooed on your forehead. Yeah. <laughs> around, running around with your tops off, showing off your hats, and yeah, very mature. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You know it's no, a fair old rap joke, and they take these things pretty seriously in America too. Am I um, am yeah, I right in, in thinking? Did I read somewhere that he's actually over there um, to do a fitness camp of some routine, or to to do some sort of preseason fitness routine with some uh, uh, supplement mob or some drinking yeah. like Gatorade type mob? Yeah, like Max or something. Yeah, or some some. Um, supplement drink and yeah, something along those lines. It's all, I know that a couple of the bull. I think uh, Dunkley and uh, and Bontempelli went over there and did uh, like an elite Nike class or something, where they the elite athletes get put into this area and they do all these you know special kind of whatever they do. Uh, but it's sort of uh, for the the elite part of the the sponsorship area. And I think he was doing one of those. So he's uh, I didn't know they were doing it on a rooftop of a New York bar though. They must have left that bit out when yeah. they told Collingwood about it. You reckon they go to America? Like I used to always be very sucked when I'd go do the the altitude training in the um, Arizona. Yep. I always felt that this is just bullshit. You're going over there to load up on the roids because the Americans know how to hide the roids better than we do. And so they go up. Look, I was speaking to a well-known footballer about this very thing, and he was talking about a skinny ruckman that they had. And then he came back from America in the preseason. He put on three stones. And this particular um, footballer said, "Mate, yeah, what is he? Will you put one stone a year? Fine, but not three in one year." <laughs> you fucking Jesus! <laughs> so, God, yeah, I'm always a, I'm always a little bit sus when they go over there to the uh, America. It's taken it's taken me eighteen months of lockdown to put three stone on. Jesus, I don't know. Well, this is. This is intense lockdown. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Anyway, we'll see what happens to that. Oh, look, we I wanted to uh, I wanted to mention the passing of Bert Newton. Uh, yeah, sad day for Australian uh, entertainment. Uh, I think the, yep. the, the the probably the one that summed it up best for me was and I can't remember who wrote it. I wish I could now. Said that uh, might have been uh, might have been Frankie House and wrote it on Facebook. Um, said. Uh, Bert Newton was Australian television, and for, you know, 30, 40 years, he was. Yeah. You know what stands out to me? His big head. <laughs> he did have a big head. But you know what stands out for me is that nowadays it's a, um, 
somebody you've never heard of building a building a house or cooking a duck breast or meeting mm. somebody they've never met before and getting married. You know, just yeah. the sort of TV we have now has no hierarchy to it. But he worked his way up from radio and, you know, did all the obvious apprenticeship and, and there was no mistake that he became the, the sort of long reigning king after Graham Kennedy of Australian TV because yep. he took he took all the steps step after step to be so and 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 the public knew that, you know, he was quality in all situations. Yep. And he had the skills. He had the skills to do whether it was yeah, yeah, you know the yeah. hi-fi club or the uh, you know the wheel segment, or whatever he had he had a range of skills that uh, that he he'd worked on over the, all those years to to get to that point. I guess there's only the the only thing you can say you know when I heard it, you know it came to mind straight away. I like the boy. I like the boy. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that is. What did he say, Roy? He yeah. said, "Roy, Roy, I like the Roy." <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was not one of his better moments. No, it was, it was he, memorable. He, got out of it. he did. Yeah, it was memorable. Yeah. Did you do? You would have done. You would have done some TV with him. I would imagine a different bits. Did you do Family Feud with him, Brian? Yeah, I did Family Feud with him, and I did uh, Celebrity Millionaire Hot Seat with him. Oh, okay, and. Um, I don't know, I've seen him a couple other times as well. I've seen him in theatre, he's terrific in the producers. Yeah. Um, but, um, look, he always intimidated me a little bit because, A, the first time I saw him, I'd never seen a head as big as that. It was just like, what the hell? Yes. It's I've much heard bigger that. in live than it is on TV. I've heard that said by a few people who went, the, the, the first reaction is, my God! <laughs> yeah, it's an absolutely huge head. Maybe it's because it's got a huge brain in it because, you know, yeah. you, you generally need to be fairly smart to be, you know, that's spontaneous. Um, but, yeah, he was, he was quite intimidating because he's so tall. He was about six foot four, six foot five, I reckon. Um, he was just massive. Um, but the, the best thing for me was with him, um, we were doing Millionaire Hot Seat. It wasn't long after I'd done Dancing with the Stars. And he came up to me and he said, um, oh, Brian. Kathy and I loved watching you on Dancing with the Stars. And I thought, oh, you're getting. You know, I had the king of television watching me on television. Oh, wow. So I was pretty, I was pretty, um, pretty, you know, uh, fluffed. What do I was, I was pretty happy about that. Yeah, no, Chuffed. so you should be. Chuffed. He was sort of Australia's Bob Hope, I reckon. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's. I suppose a big head, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, sort of funny and dry and, yeah, no, anyway. Yep. But yeah, sadly, missed. What a, you know, to have a career like he did with Graham Kennedy was one thing, but then he did it again with Don Wayne as well as doing Family Feud and the morning show that he did on Channel 10. And then he had um, New Faces. Um, he had so many shows. I think he did Picket Box with Patty for a while. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did everything. And he was, and he was good at it all. Probably better when he was a sidekick because he was funnier. Yeah, I agree. Totally agree. And uh, the other thing you mentioned was his stage work. Um, when, you know, the Hugh Jackmans of the world and the people who've worked with him on stage just rave about um, his uh, his work ethic and all that uh, when he was when he was doing stage shows. He had trouble remembering the lines in a stage show. Oh, really? Like, he's, he's one of these guys that you'd give him a script, he'd read it twice, and he'd throw it away, and he's got it memorised. Okay. But then as soon as he said it, he forgot 
what he just said. So he'd have to kind of go into the theatre and redo his lines a bit every day, I was told, because he's just used to learning it and forgetting it. Wow. And so, you know, yeah, whereas most people in theatre are like, yeah, I've got this down there and I've been saying it for months. But it wasn't like that for Bert. But if it was like a TV ad, he'd read the thing once, he'd nail it, and then it's forgotten. Delete it completely. Because there's, there's a lot of actors who can do, who can do, you know, their soliloquy from Shakespeare. They can ream it off yeah. like you do the Lord's Prayer. Uh, he obviously one of those people, I need to know it now, I don't need to know it later, so it's gone. Yeah, well, that's what I'm told by good mm. authority. And I was told that um, somebody he's, that was his dresser, that he was just a lovely man to work with and um, he gave her, you know, great great presents and stuff for being so nice to him. And um, so it was just an absolute pleasure to work with. Yep. Yeah, well, so, certainly sadly missed. Sadly missed. And, yeah. uh, and finally, you'd be across this one too. Uh, on the weekend, we lost three uh, of, of, well, I won't say three of the greats, but uh, three exceptionally um, well-credentialed uh, former Test cricketers passed away on the weekend. don't know if you caught up with those. List them for me. Okay. Well, I've got the slide. Okay. Ashley Mallett uh, died at the age of 76. Well, yep. well um, that, that, I read that article by, was it Ian Chappell who wrote it? Yeah, probably was because so Chap- Chapel was his state captain at uh, in South Australia. Yeah, I mean that he, you know, had he played now, he would have played a hundred plus tests. Oh which yeah, is true. Yeah, absolutely. Great, great player. Actually, really good writer. Um, not one of the world's best uh, interview subjects. Had a really dry, laconic sense of uh, humour and a really slow delivery. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was fortunate enough to interview him. Yeah. for an hour. Yeah, no, he's always oh, fascinating to talk to. Absolutely fascinating yeah. to talk to, and the the nickname Rowdy was uh, was I don't know who came up with it, but it was perfect for him. Yeah, uh, yeah. Alan Davidson passed away at the age of ninety two, probably one of the best yeah. um, right. rounders well. that we've ever produced. Yeah. Yep. And Peter Philpot passed away at the age of eighty six, uh, one of the uh, great exponents of uh, of the spin bowling craft as well. I mean, they were Rowdy went a bit. Too soon. Nineties are not bad, of course, you'd say. But for anybody who passes at any age, it's sad. Yeah, it it, it makes me start thinking. Gee, I mean, I just remember watching Ashley Mallett growing up, and yeah, it's the players I used to idolise. Passing away, it'll be my turn. So. Yeah, well, 76 is, is by today's standard uh, quite a, you know, a young man, but uh, it had uh, obviously battled with cancer over the last few years. But, yes, one of the uh, one of the characters of, uh, of modern-day cricket writing as much as anything else of recent times. Well, they've made, they've made 250 plus between them, and that's just three batsmen. So that's a pretty good score. Yeah, they, they did their combined stats for the tests they play. I think Philpott only played eight tests, but... Davidson played. Uh, Davidson made. Uh, you know, took uh, one hundred and eighty odd, six odd wickets, I think, and Mallard took a fair few wickets. So they, they certainly uh, made their impression uh, as Test cricketers. Uh, the other one I mentioned, I wanted to mention, we didn't mention him a couple of weeks back, but someone posted on 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 our Facebook page, our Rock and Roll Facebook page. Des McKenna died, who we mentioned. Oh, I think when we talked to Lisa Edwards. Uh, Brian, we mentioned Des, yeah. Animal from the Hey Hey Band, and oh yeah, yeah, because yeah. he he was in a band with Lisa Edwards and Ronnie Charles called the um, the Turbo Love Nuns, um, 
And I remember us talking to Lisa about that when we did the Life of Brian podcast, but he passed away in Thailand a couple of weeks back. Wow. I don't he wouldn't wow. have, he would have only been oh, I would I'm thinking he probably would have been maybe seventy tops. Oh, would he be that old? Oh he'd only be a couple of years older than me. Yeah, okay. Oh you're gonna be in his fifties, sixties, uh, okay. All right, I'm oh, stop be, it. <laughs> 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 Freshly turned sixty. Right? Oh, all Freshly. right then. Well, you know. Yeah. Did you? What about it? the drummer? What about the drummer from Status Quo? Is he dead too? No, yet? he's not dead yet. We'll keep. We'll, right. But I'm glad you brought him up. And with uh, uh, John Coglin, oh. we'll keep updates on John's uh, John's capacity. Uh, at the moment, did, he's fine. Now, did anybody else hear this? This is what I heard when Joe Biden met the Pope. He accidentally shit himself. Have you heard that? What? Who, the Pope or Joe Biden? No, Joe Biden accidentally shit himself oh, when he met the Pope. <laughs> Mannix, I've got to get you off those. I've got to get you off those websites, Mannix. They're ruining. Your, uh, they're ruining your mind. Well, he might have. It well might be true. Yet, well, because he he is old, and you know sometimes you know he's thought he might squeeze one out and he squeezed a lot more out than <laughs> you, you get excited. I've heard of, you know, people wetting themselves when they meet famous people. Maybe, you know, he just... Shit himself. Yeah, well, maybe. Oh, 168 <laughs> episodes of this podcast. <laughs> we're talking about the American president defecating in his own With pants. the boat. Yes. With the boat. That's what makes it extra good. <laughs> Oh, God what? almighty. Oh, <laughs> dear, oh, dear. Uh, now, sporting-wise, there hasn't been a lot to talk about. The T20 World Cup, I, I know you've been uh, watching that with great interest, Fondy. There's been some really good games too. Oh, yes. I'm very comfortable with my selection last week of the final, Pakistan-England. Yep. That's careering towards a certainty. Yeah, isn't it? it is. It absolutely is. It, it, India have fallen over. The Aussies, I went to bed the other night when they were three for 15. I thought, I'm not sitting up and watching this rubbish. Um, they're, they're, you know, they're recycling. They're well, not recycling. They're using players that test players and one day players. They haven't played a lot of cricket, admittedly, but yeah. no, I'm sorry. Well, Steve I s- Smith's a very player, but he's, he's best used in this form is to hold us together. Yeah. The, uh, the, um, I saw a conversation yesterday about, between a couple of uh, ex-players talking about the fact that uh, India and Australia are both probably guilty of having the wrong teams. They picked they picked an old-style yeah, team. Yeah, they picked their sort of best teams, but not for this particular form of cricket. Um, yeah. It's... It, you know, look, they can. They have. They've been destroyed. Anyhow, what, what Butler did, Butler was brilliant last. Yeah. Week. Jesus, he made a good hundred. Yep. But what Butler did to I'll get you, Butler. <laughs> well, nobody has got him in the last. Yeah, two exactly. What Butler? What Butler's done to start an example has completely ended their Australia's chances of winning because he they, he just took to them and you know and so will others. <laughs> so unfortunately, we don't have we don't have the cattle. But England do, Pakistan do. Um, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see which which 
other teams make it. They New Zealand's always competitive, aren't they? Yes, yes, they are. They're real goers. They're very competitive. So I think it comes from those three. But um, it's one of these competitions where you need to find sort of the team needs to find a rhythm, and Australia don't have it. They haven't had it in any. They, they were. Not impressive against South Africa in the first game. No, they weren't. They only just got home there. Yeah, I mean, so so be it. South African cricket. Uh, I, I'm not a fan of South African cricket as an organisation. I've I've loved watching South African cricketers over the years, um, from the Barry Richards and uh, and Graham Pollocks of the world, through to you know uh, Rice and uh, and and the, uh, Proctor and all those players, and then you know Larue and and. Pollock and all the ones that came through, but my God, South African cricket is a basket case. Their organisation, they're 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 a mess. Well, they are messes the country as well. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. It's reflective of the fact that they can't get their act together as a country. That they uh, the mixed messages about what you know players should and shouldn't do. I actually felt sorry for Quinton de Kock, and I never thought I'd say that. Yeah, it's bullshit that you have to um, that you're forced to. Um Make a protest. That's that's crap. Yep. Well, you should be. You should, it should be a, a, a conscience vote, and it should be a, a team unified thing. You, you sit around and talk about it as a team, not have it. You know, an edict given to you by the governing body. You tell them to get stuffed. Well, you know, yeah. In some ways, I suppose you could interpret it that you know, if I go and take the kneel, am I somehow? saying that I've been bad to black people because if that's the case, there's no way I'll take the kneel. Yeah. Um, I've been, you know, I treat everybody the same. And, um, you know, I just, yeah, I look, I think he's got every right to not take the kneel if he doesn't want to. Um, and I think you can't have mandatory kneeling or vaccines. You can't. It's just um, people have their individual freedoms and freedom of choice and freedom of speech, and that should be respected at all costs. What do you make of a finey? Well, the problem, the main problem was they told them sort of just before the start of the game, and and that is unfair because you know you got to wrap your mind around it. Nobody look. It was difficult because when your captain, um, what's his name, Bavuma, yep, you've got a, a black captain. Um, I mean, couldn't cost. He's of colour, isn't he? He has got family members who are not white. Yep. Yeah. And it becomes quite, it's very complex in South Africa. You know, it's yeah. a very vexed question in South Africa. Now, I, I don't think, I think a team can come to some sort of unified decision. And I have no problems with the taking of a knee as a team, if I'm showing support to my teammates who are coloured, I'd do it because I'd find it hard to play with alongside players who wanted that message. Like if I was an AFL player and there's Indigenous players in the team and it was important to them and yeah. I played with yep. them, yep. I'd, I'd do it because they're close to their family to me. But I'd talk to them first, of course. Um, it's interesting. I watched the game between England and Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka don't take a knee. Oh, don't they? No. Okay. 
I mean, they're games of attention. They, it's interesting. It's just, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, no, it is. And I, I thought, uh, uh, and as per usual, the press jump on, you know, everything. And then when de Kock goes back to the team and says, okay, because, as you quite rightly pointed out, Fanny, uh, these are my teammates and I'll show them support in this situation, uh, that the press then savage him and, you know, oh, huge backflip by de Kock and all that. I, I find all that really tedious. It's like it just lazy, um, ordinary journalism uh, or, or stroke reporting and just – um, very ordinary. Very ordinary. It's crazy. It's crazy for the selectors to cut their cock off, mate. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. Uh, you can't do that. No, you can't. You can't, you can't do that. Their fat. Yes. Um, <laughs> can we get, we'll get to the chart now before we get into any more trouble here on. What? Oh, okay. 1969. This, this, uh, this chart, you would have loved this chart, Kevin. There were bits of it I loved. I'll tell you what, there's a lot of crap on it. I'll explain why later, but this is the chart that you could have beat me. Me? <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well, the, the uh, and it's sort of timely given the passing of Bert that it is the greater 3UZ Top 40 because that's the radio station that Bert made his, uh, made his name at uh, no, after just, 3XY. Was that deliberate or was that just a lucky coincidence? It was a lucky coincidence. I think I printed this out on Thursday or Friday. Um, so yeah, it was uh, done before. And I just I went to the year and the the, the best um, available chart I could find, or the first available chart I could find, was from a three UZ one. They were big in. Oh, well, it's more an unlucky coincidence if I was first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Right. Good point, Fanny. <laughs> uh, we've had some early mail on this one because I put it up on the Facebook page from uh, from some people. We'll get to their thoughts on that one. Uh, Cherie Dodson said, look, I'm sorry I wasn't born then. Am I qualified to comment? Well, of course you are. You can listen to music anytime. Uh, you're like, good girl, Cherie. Yes. Don, Don Davily says, my favourite year was 1969. I thought probably would have been yours too, Brian. I reckon 1969 was a great year. And, um, I was, you know, once again, once upon a time in Hollywood set in 1969, and that'll give you a good feel for how, how the world was. Um, but, yeah, I reckon 69 was a great year. And uh, um, there's, Astra- some, there's some stinkers in this, but there's some good ones. Oh, there's there are. Really good ones. There's two Australia, sorry, three Australian songs in the top five, which is you know uh, good for the local content. And there's a lot of there's a lot of local stuff in here. <laughs> Some of it very questionable, but it is in there. Yes. Um, so let's fire away. Uh, three, two, and one. Your your best and yours. Do you want to lead this week, Brian? Go first for a change. I don't mind. I'm actually well prepared this week. Well, gee whiz. Go there you go. <laughs> okay. Crikey. Have oh, I've got four of the best. The good ones, so I'll have to make a choice here. Oh, you're going to go. Um, oh, can I have 10? I've got 10. 10 good ones. Oh, yeah. Well, um, okay, number three good one. Mm. I'm going to say Sweet Caroline by Neil Diamond. It's not exactly my cup of tea, but it, it is very, very good song, and gee, people love it. So, Sweet Caroline by Neil Diamond. I'm not sure good what on number you. that is. Is that I didn't squeeze it in, but I had it in my top 20 songs of all time because if part of performing a good song is getting the crowd to sing, yeah. then that must be rated number one, sure. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, it affects people in a big way, that song. And um, Is that his signature that tune, do you reckon, Brian? I reckon 
Hunk Crunchy Nut Viola or whatever it's called. And with Caroline. Crunchy Nut Viagra. What did you call it? Viola. Have you ever tried to play Viola? If you don't crunch your nuts, you're not playing it properly. Crunchy Cronulla Sweet, you've. Full fed? Well, I might be sweet for you, but I just keep crunching my nuts in the viola. Goodness me. And that's, that's where Neil Diamond came up with the idea for the song. <laughs> sure he did. And he also, once he did crunch his nuts, he went off and wrote Little Bit Me, Little Bit You. Yeah, well, he, he did for the monkeys, yes, he did. Yeah. Hey, but no, no it's because he's nuts and the viola were matching together. Now, some uh, some band, no, not some band, some uh, some f- team, uh, is it an N- NFL team uses Sweet Caroline as their theme song? Yes, I've, there is. I've got, I don't know. I've got a memory of someone, the, the the crowd sings it as kind of like their their pre-game song. I can't think of who it is. Ooh, it's not a bad song to have. Yeah. Carol, it'd be the North Carolina, wouldn't it? I don't know. The Panthers, maybe. Carolina, you'd have to be having Carolina. Sweet Carolina. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Someone will tell Otherwise us. Otherwise, it, it wouldn't be the New York Jets, I wouldn't think. No, I wouldn't have thought so. Right, no. on, so what's your number three in the bad side, Brian? And there is a lot to choose from. Jeez. Well, I had to have a listen to this one because I, I didn't remember it. And, oh, it starts off and uh, she's crying and she's dying and she's missing and kissing and... Oh, so there's no work being put into the lyrics. And it's Real True Loving by a very own Anne and Johnny Hawker. Right. <laughs> it's, um, this is, oh, this is saccharine. This is sweet and sugary as it gets. And um, I don't mind a bit of that, but this is taking it too far. Yep. So there you go. Yep. This was, I think this was before, oh, I can't, well, actually, I think it might have been after they did Cinderella Rockefeller. Remember that song? Yes, I do remember yeah. that song. They um, they did the Australian hit version of that. I think this might have come after that, but I'm not 100% right. sure. But, yeah, no, not not good. Not good. No. Maybe good for the time, but not good for today. Oh, I'm not even sure that in 1969 it cut the mustard, to be honest. Right. Unlike uh, Joe Biden, who's cutting the cheese. <laughs> uh, uh, Mr. Fine, I know you're only a young pup of, uh, you know, how old were you in 1969? Four. Four, right. Four years old. So what was the four-year-old crash that you were going to at the time? What was it going off to off the uh, the greater 3UZ Top 40 chart? I don't know. I've, I've listened to a lot of these songs ever since, so... Good or bad? What would you like to start? Oh, start with your bad. All right. Well, I don't know if this is the song that consigned this bloke to late night TV and <laughs> and derision <laughs> among <laughs> those who live in Melbourne. <laughs> um, it's a song by Izzy Dye called Incense. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's supposed to be very cool and very hip. It's actually nonsense, and <laughs> I, I'll tell you one thing. It, it shows one truth, and that is that there's not a lot of um, computer voice generation back in 1969. <laughs> it was just Izzy's voice, and Izzy's voice ain't no good. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
incense at number three band. Yes, not not yeah. one of the not one of the world's great songs by any stretch, but uh, no. Yeah, I, I remember watching him sing it on Uptight on a Saturday morning, and it just you go. He had the eye pants on and the the big afro, and he's still he's still knocking around, still doing uh, clubs in in uh, on the Gold Coast. These yeah, days. he was doing he was doing an Al Jolson show. Yeah, he was, and he had, and he had the black face on. Yes, <laughs> yes, he did. So I, kept, I kept saying to my mate Craig Frederick, saying, "Mate, you got to get Izzy Die for the you know for the grand final. You know, I'll get, <laughs> um, I'll get um, you know Christina New to come out and sing My Island Home, and Casey Donner can come and sing." Um, you know, some Australia song, and then Izzy died with the banjo and the blackface at the end. How would that go down? Oh, mummy, my little mummy, Imagine how Gil McLaughlin would be loving uh, that. I'll tell you, who would love it. Andrew, De- Andrew Dometic, <laughs> Andrew, yeah, yeah, he'd love it because it'd be worse than Meatloaf. Oh goodness me. Oh, you've started. You've started well, Finey. Uh, yes, all right. Now you're number. Easy th- You're number three. Good. Uh, this one probably gets a bunk up because it's synonymous with a very good movie, Midnight Cowboys. Oh yes. Um, but it's a good song. It's a really good song. Nielsen's Everybody's Talking. Yep. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's a great song. Yeah. Couldn't squeeze it I into my top three. Of- yeah, but geez, that is a good song. I couldn't squeeze it in either because I had a viola in front of me. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Don't right. that viola. My number three, bad. Uh, oh, I've listened to this last night. I was trying to remember if it was as bad as I actually in my mind thought it was, but yes, it was. One of the bubblegum groups, they had a couple of hits. This was massive uh, in the end. I think it I think it might have been a top five in the end. Um, it's the Cufflinks who were a, a little sort of – Band out of England, um, and this thing started. Tracy by the Cufflinks. What a god awful song that was, and still is. Oh, uh, terrible song. Oh, just an awful song. I think they had some other thing called When Julie Comes or whatever it was. It was their other one. Um, yes, just an awful, awful, awful song. And my number three, good. Oh, there's so many. There's, there are, there really are. I mean, there's so many really good songs in this that that I personally um, have uh, affection to. Uh, so I'm going to go number three. Oh, I see something by the Beatles. That's a beautiful song. I can't fit it in. Uh, okay, number three. I'm going to go with the song that's number ten, and that's Arkansas Grass by Axiom, which is Glenn Shorrock, Caddy, Brian Cad, Don Moody. Uh, Axiom were kind of Australia's. First super group of such because they pulled blokes out of the group and out of uh, the Twilights and put them all together and that's a really good song Arkansas Grass could have if it had been recorded by you know the Eagles or something it would have been a worldwide smash I reckon but um, well, we spoke to him about that didn't we yeah we about Caddy. Caddy. Yeah. yeah still does it on stage and still blows the roof off the joint it's um it's a really really good song really good song his new song that he. Everybody's leaving as a beauty too. Yes, yeah, I, he's, he's, I really like that song. It's, he's still doing some very good material. Um, yeah, so, no, he's, he's terrific. I, I just saw just before we came in on a different note. Just before we came in to record the show, I saw the current Aria uh, album chart. Number one is Lady Gaga and Tony Bennett. Number two 
is Russell Morris and uh, and uh, Rick Springfield with their project that they've uh, got. Uh, There's kind of a Louisiana sounding thing they've got. And number three wow. is Joe Camilleri's um, St George's Road. They're the top three albums. Fantastic. Yeah, it's good. That's really good. Yeah. It's good for them and it's good for all Australian artists. That's yeah. terrific. I'm really wrapped about that. And uh, and Caddy Caddy's album could easily be up there in that in that echelon too cuz it it's it's bloody good. Yeah. All right, That's Brian. Really a lot of good news. Number 2. Oh, yeah. Number 2. Number 2. Okay. Um well, somebody's got to put this one in. It deserves to be. And so I'll say something slash come together as the number 2. Song. Yeah. It's the number two good one um, because it's one of those ones, it, yeah, it doesn't compel you to put it in, but somebody, one of the three of us needs to put it in, so I'll do it. But something come together is it. Now, you know what? No, it's a, before you do, you know, it's interesting. That's that's a that's a double A side uh, single, and I know yeah. you've had, you've had this conversation with many of the guests we've had on Life of Brian about B sides being the chance to you know muck around and do some some yeah. Uh, yeah sort of have a bit of fun and do something a bit different and put one of your original songs in there. Imagine having those two songs to choose as your as your sort of your single. Oh, which will be the A side and which will be the B side? Bloody hell! If you had something and you know my name, look up the number, it would be pretty straightforward. <laughs> but come together yeah. is um, makes it a bit tricky. Yeah, absolutely. Now, mm-hmm. the second bad song, mm-hmm. and I hadn't heard this, so oh. I had to go and do a little bit of research. Right. Because I love this band. I love the Monkees. And, you know, as you know, oh. Kevin and Finey, that's me and Kevin are very personal, close friends with Mickey Dolan. So it, it breaks my heart. I hope Mickey's not listening to this, but... Um, it probably is, you know. She loves our show. Oh, yeah. Um, Mummy and Daddy by the Monkeys. What happened? Did they start writing <laughs> their own songs at this particular junction? Because it's just shitful. <laughs> it doesn't even sound like the Monkeys. It sounds like somebody that's got drugs and thought they'd have a go. I don't know, but it's, 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 it's a sad day for the Monkeys. I reckon they were held captive in another room and somebody jumped in and did it because I've never heard the song before. And when I did hear it last night, I bloody near fell off the couch. <laughs> oh, terrible! It, it's it's. I mean, they had a couple of really good hits in nineteen sixty nine. My God, I don't I I don't remember the song at all. And my God, it's just awful. Well, next time we talk to Mickey, I will just say, "Mummy and Daddy, Mickey, whose fault was that?" Yeah, it's no Randy Scouse get or. You know, no, I'm, a, I'm no. a believer or Pleasant Valley Sunday. It's just, uh, whew. Ooh, it's a Joe Biden zombie. <laughs> and, and it was a, it was an A side. I mean, it wasn't even like it was slipped through as a B a B side or something. Imagine that, how shit out the B side. Yes, yeah, well, well, the thought did cross my mind. Uh, finally, uh, what do you got for us at number two? Number two, bad. Well, I didn't want Izzy die to be all alone. <laughs> so he's partnering in late night television, Ross D. Wiley. Oh, hang on. Oh! Has a piece of dross called The Star. Oh, damn it. Oh, I'm with you, Brian. Oh, blasphemy. <sighs> what, you like it? I love it. Yeah, me too. Oh, it's terrible. Oh, now. Well, that's where I sit, it is. It's a bit dramatic, I'll grant you that, but that's what I like about it. Yeah, no, I love that song. Yeah, me too. What, what don't you like about it, Bonnie? 
it's it's sort of um operatic to me it's it, it's almost trying to um create this this I, I reckon it's sort of made for Ross D. Wiley to be the hot Australian male solo artist. It was like a uh, 1969 in, version of Yesterday's Heroes, lyrically. Just thinking that myself, kid. Well said. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, but it doesn't have the, the, the sort of um, melodic pleasure of Yesterday's Heroes. Hey, Fanny, do you know Yesterday's who wrote it? Boom. Johnny Young. There you go. Step back a little, you haven't too far. <laughs> no, Johnny Young wrote that. He was on a he was on a roll. He wrote a couple of things. I think he I don't think he wrote Funny Man, which was the follow up to the Star. I think that might have been a Ray Stevens song. Um, That's the real thing that he wrote. That is it. What Johnny Johnny Young wrote? Yeah. The Star. The Star. Yeah. yeah. That's the real thing. Okay. Yeah, that's that's it. That's the real thing. Yeah. Did you did yeah, yeah, I said you did that. Not for mine, Mr. Wiley. Okay. Oh. And my number two good mm-hmm. is now. I'm not an enormous fan of this bloke, even though he's the biggest in the biggest star of music maybe of all time. <laughs> but if you had to pin me down, it's probably my favourite song of Elvis Presley. So number two is Suspicious Minds. Oh, yeah, no, good song. Good song. There's yeah, another, I like it. There's another Elvis song in this chart that I had to look up because I wasn't aware of it. Do you know Clean Up Your Own Backyard, Brian? Um, well, I've been doing a bit of that after the storm the other night. Yeah. But, um, no, I don't know that one. I didn't get around to having to listen to it, so there might be something I'll do this over. Do it this over. Have a look at the clip. It's from um, The Trouble With Girls. The movie? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's bloody awful. It's really terrible. Oh, it's terrible. Well, most of the songs in his movies are bloody awful. Yeah, I know. This one, he's got like he's got the clampets doing backup vocals and stuff, and it's just, it's awful. He's got a white coat Ooh. on. It's just, it's very ordinary. Very ordinary indeed. <laughs> oh, poor old Elvis. Poor old Elvis. My number two in the bad stakes, um, uh, and, and this is kind of probably more personal. It's not. It's actually not that bad a song, but... We used to own a service station when I was a kid and in that service station we had a cafe. I worked in the cafe and on the driveway but I spent most of the time in the cafe and all the local kids would come in, the sort of 15, 16, 17-year-olds would come in, sit down, have a milkshake, you know, spend uh, spend 20 cents on a milkshake and spend four hours in there playing the jukebox. And this bloody song they played on the jukebox, I reckon, 4,325,000 times every weekend and I hated it with a passion at the end and now when I hear it that's it's a lovely memory to think about it but the song itself drives me nuts and that is the song that is number two on this chart Penny Arcade by Roy Orbison oh yeah yeah oh god it just yeah that's the one thanks yeah. Brian <laughs> it did get played the shit played out oh, didn't it? And, it and the other thing was you'd then go into the back of the cafe and the radio would be on and the bloody radio stations would be playing it as well so it would uh, yeah no it drove me nuts that um, my number two good oh so many to choose from the star I like the star Wedding Bell Blues by uh, the Fifth Dimension I really like that but I'm going to go with oh I'm leaving out uh, Humble Pie I'm leaving out the Rolling Stones 
Uh, okay. Now I'm going to go with uh, it's number 19 on this chart. Young Bloods Get Together, which is one of those sort of anthemic peace, love, hippie 1969 type songs. Um, and I liked it. They never did much else. Jesse Colin Young, the lead singer, was going to be a star, and it never happened really. Um, so they faded off into the distance after that. But uh, I, that that is a, a most memorable song from from that time, from 1969. All right. Well, now, fair the Brian Mannix is now going to, in show number 168, give us his number one good and his number one bad from the chart, the three years chart of November 1969. Brian? Right. My apologies to the Rolling Stones. Honky Tonk um, Women. That's a great song. Yes. And it should be in that. But I personally, I just absolutely love The Star by Rusty Wiley, and I probably play it probably at least once a week. Yeah, I just love this song. Star. And I think it, it's just so dramatic and sad. And yeah, no, I love it. I think it's great. Hey, you so, know, Rusty you know, Wiley. You know one of the good things about it, Brian, I reckon? I reckon the fact that Ross wasn't a great singer actually makes the song. Well, he he does all that's required of the song. Yeah. Um, I think he's very sincere in his approach to the song, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. Maybe he gets a bit much when he goes, I love you. (laughs) That's it. That might be be the bit that... Finally, first noticed him. Well, this is a pile of shit. <laughs> and of course, he was the he was the host of uh, Uptight, uh, which was the Saturday morning three hour show. On uh, you know that was the precursor to Hey Hey at Saturday when all the bands used to come in and perform live on a Saturday morning uh, at Channel Ten. Um, so I'm assuming it was at oh, would it have been at Nunna Warning? I don't know. Um, yeah, it would have been. Yeah. So, so and they and some of the bands you see on that. Oh, dear, do they look dusty? Um, <laughs> And it was Channel O then. Yes, it was. Yeah, and it was a great Channel little o. show. It was a great show. I've done. I so much of my musical um, kind of uh, history is is bedded with that show because they used to show it in Queensland where I was living at the time in the afternoon. So it wasn't eight o'clock till twelve. It was twelve till four um, on a Saturday oh, yeah. afternoon. So I used to sneak up and, and watch that. It was it was good. Right, are you number one bad, Brian? What do you got? Oh well, I thought I'd better have a listen to this to see if it's lives up to being number one bad, mm-hmm. and I did, and it left me in no doubt <laughs> that this is a pile of shit. <laughs> um, Sounds of Goodbye. Oh, now, hang by on. Australia's very own Kamal. Oh, look, it's sort of country with an Indian accent. Um, the vocals are mixed up a bit too loud. It's a pretty shit song, and I don't even think he sings it very well. He sort of sounds almost a little bit pitchy at times to me. I think that's because I've got his vocals up so loud. It, it doesn't leave him anywhere to hide. But, um, yeah, this is this is not Kamal's best work. And, you know, you've got to ask, to ask yourself, why is Kamal still up again? <laughs> right. right. This is just not good. I, I challenge anybody to go and see if they can listen to the whole lot of it this afternoon. Um, I, I heard Kamal was on the radio on Saturday morning. I was driving down to Geelong and he was on the ABC with um, Brian Nancurvis having a chat and he was terrific. He was really good. Yeah. I met him a few times when we did Family Feud yeah. and um, he was a lovely bloke. Yeah. Lovely. How old must he be? He must be about 100 now. 
Oh, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. He's one of the, but I, I have to say, his voice sounded as rich and uh, and beautiful as it always has. His speaking voice is uh, it, it's mesmerising. His speaking Isn't voice. He cut back on the bongs. His voice has come <laughs> back really well. No, he was a bongist for a while, oh, wasn't he? Stop somebody it. at the pub told Ryan. me that. That's true. Jeez. Oh, I don't mind. All right, so you number one. You've got Aussies at number one on both the good and the bad. There you go. Yeah. Uh, righto, yeah. Finey. Has Brian left you anything to work with? Yeah, well, I'll go good first because it's already been said, but for me, by the absolute length of the straight is the double A side by the Beatles because yeah. it's almost my favourite Beatles song or something. Oh, Just, really? Oh, I think it's beautiful. Beautiful song. And Come Together is a great song. Yes. So uh, it's already been well and truly covered by Brian. Mm, sorry. One bad. No, no, no. I'm glad to concur after we are so far apart on what he was. You both had uh, moving pictures at number one last week, albeit different yes, lists, right. but never mind. So my number one bad, now you'll notice that there's a bit of togetherness in our list. We've got Come Together. Mm-hmm. You've had Get Together by Young Blood. Oh, yeah. And I have not missed Andy Kim, who in oh. fact is a Canadian born Andy Yo Kim. Yeah. <laughs> has a song called So Good Together. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is a, a just a horrible. <laughs> Weak, pathetic, repetitive, uninteresting, stupid, quacked love song, <laughs> but it does have something special about it. What's that? What's it's that? Got the most outrageous line in it I've ever heard in a song. Oh. Now you see this song just this song just rambles on. Now, incredibly, this twist had a number one hit in the USA with a song called Rock Me Gently. Yeah, he did. He did. You should have heard what the original title of that song was. Well, <laughs> I've set that song up and I've got, I'm seeing a pattern. So in this pathetic song, So Good Together, which just rambles on, we'd be so good together, good together, we'd be together, be together, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> he comes up with this line in the middle of the song. If I could only put myself inside you, oh. <laughs> you could see through my eyes what I am feeling. Is that right, mate? Ugh. Is that why you'd be? If I could only put myself inside you, really? <laughs> but then, then, I, he, then, then I listen, then I listen to rock me gently, which is another piece of horrible people. <laughs> and in the middle of that song, is a line that goes, and on your face I see a trace of love. Yes. Oh. Yes, it is true. Uh. On your face I see a trace of love. All right, Brian, let it worse. go. If you look at the um, <laughs> if you look at the YouTube clip of Rock Me Gently, yeah. you guess what the opening scene of that clip is. It oh. lasts for about three seconds. Oh. Porno movie. <laughs> Worse. The, probably the – it's hard to put a label on who's the most disgusting performer ever to have lived, but yeah. Jimmy Savile goes close. 
Yeah. It starts with Jimmy Savile dancing with a young girl because it's from Top of the Pops. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no. And he's pulled some young girl out of the crowd and and then it crosses over to Andy Kim. Now, that's not his fault. Yeah, exactly. His fault is that he's a bloody absolute (laughs) Zero as a singer, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> uh, oh well, well done, well picked out, and uh, and well wow. done. Andy Kim was one of the um, he was one of the songwriters in the Brill Building um, with Sadaka and uh, Neil Diamond and all those. He was the sort of second wave of those people. So. I want to be. I'm still stuck on. I want to be inside you so you can see the love in my eyes. <laughs> if I could only put myself inside you. So he puts himself inside oh, and good. then he's squinting, I guess. Going, oh, <laughs> this is great. Oh, yeah, baby. Uh, and that's the lovely look in his eyes, I suppose. Oh, like, oh, my God. It must be. What else could it be, Brian? Well, I don't. Well, you know. You see a trace of love on your face. I think that oh, is right. the imagination. Well, let me move right. on. Let me move on to my number one uh, good and bad. Uh, number one I bad. I forgot about you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I gathered that, and we've we've gone over time, so I don't want to do this. Um, go on, let's go. Number one bad is the number one song on that chart because, I, and it's not a Flintstone song. It's called "Picking Up Pebbles" by Matt Flinders, and Ozzy makes it unfortunately to my number one bad. Um, picking up pebbles and throwing them. Throwing oh, them into sorry. the ocean. See, mate, da, 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 da. Awful, awful, awful song. That's a different name than Hotel After. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, no, or only marginally beat out Gene by Oliver, which is one of the most miserable songs of all time. Um, I can't remember how Gene Oh, it's from the movie The Prime of Miss Jean Brody or Jean, Jean, roses are red. Oh, God. Oh, all, yeah, I know. That. Jesus, yeah, well, that's yeah. an awful Ooh. song. And Sugar Sugar by the Archies also is a piece of crap. But um, Oh, I like Sugar Sugar. Well, I think, you know who I think wrote Sugar Sugar? No. Andy Kim. <laughs> I'm, I'm, off the top of my head, oh. I think Andy Kim might have written Sugar Sugar. Oh, I stand to That's be corrected. That, no, I reckon you're right. Finding sugar, sugar just out of nowhere. <laughs> sugar, sugar, honey, honey. I'd like to put my balls on your. I'd like to put my <laughs> balls on. I'd like to put my balls. I put my balls on your face. Chin. You yeah, are you my candy girl. Oh Jesus! And you got me bumping you. Right. Okay. Now, can I get to my number one good? You ready? Okay. My yeah. number one good. I love okay. this song. I love yeah, this song. Do. I think you this, love it. I do. If it beats Arkansas yeah. Grass and it beats Get Together and it beats, you know, um, The Star and it beats uh, Wedding Bell Blues and it beats Natural Born Boogie and it beats Everybody's Talking, it's a great song. And when you have lyrics like this Down in Louisiana, where the alligators grow so mean. The lived a girl that I swear to the world made the alligators look tame. Ready, Brian? Another another Andy Kim song. No, it's not. Sorry, do it. Pope Sally Gator got your granny. Pope Sally Annie, that Andy Kim, he's just disgusting. What a <laughs> filthy bastard. Pope Sally Annie by Tony Joe White. I love Tony Joe White. Uh, sadly passed now, I think. Uh, but uh, that. That song, 
that song just stands out and uh, I don't think it's played on the radio anymore these days, but it's a great pity because it's a great song. Well, you couldn't back announce it because you'd have to just say it's Tony Joe. I'm sure white, the word white would upset somebody. Oh, probably. Uh, it makes it into a couple of the lists we got off the uh, the Facebook page. So thanks to those people who sent them through. Um, to Steve, Steve Cameron's uh, list, he's gone Sweet Caroline, Good, Something Good, uh, suspicious minds at number three, and he's bad yeah. picking up pebbles. Sounds a goodbye and poke salad, Danny. You're dead to me, Steve. Um, <laughs> Sam uh, Loriola came up with something uh, as his best. He reckons probably the best double sided single ever, uh, which is probably yeah. not a bad call. Uh, suspicious minds and Sweet Caroline. His worst, Sugar Sugar by the Archies. Chemo Sabi by the Electric Indian. If you haven't heard I had that, a listen to that. Oh. Oh, I had a listen to it this morning. <laughs> and uh, it's, um, it's bizarre. Well, it's an instrumental. If I've yes. got the right song, you know what it sounds like, Brian. Sounds it, like Stockache and Waterman has got a spaghetti western. Well, it sounds like one of the tracks that our good friend Buddy Good did on Wuhan the Musical. Oh, really? Yes, yes, it does. When, uh, what track does it sound like? It sounds like the one, there's one he's done, uh, it's not We're Okay, but the rest of the world is not good. Um, it's another yeah. one, I'll have, to, I'll have to look it up and, and send it to you. And uh, the other song that uh, Sam came up with in the bad list, which is, it should have got a mention, This Girl is a Woman Now by Gary Puckett and the Union Gap. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. What is it about the 60s, 70s? It's always about 15, 16-year-olds. There's a problem. There's a problem. Hey, look, we've gone well over time. We've got to go. Uh, Thank you both. Enjoy your cup day. I hope you're back a winner. And uh, we'll uh, we'll talk on show number 169, which will be when next we speak on Rock and Roll. Thank you, Finey. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Mark. Good on you, boys. You're both stars. You're not the stars. I'm just trying to line Andy oh, look, Kim Andy Kim up for our next uh, Life of Brian. Brian? Oh, great. <laughs> look at me now. I'm the loneliest man in the world. <laughs> uh, there goes the star. See you, boys. You've just experienced rock and roll. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook.